and welcome to episode three of the Brood Sages. I am Freeloader, and as always, I'm here with Sabaiku. Sabaiku, how are you? Fantastic. How are you doing tonight? Well, with a little bit of this Elijah Craig, I am doing better and better. Also, we have had a fantastic week. Uh, we found a new home for our podcast on the uh, official server, stormbound-kitty.com, uh, which we gave a great shout out to last time, and I'm proud to be a part of that website. Uh, TuneIn and Spotify have both picked us up this week, so we are increasingly looking like this hobby is getting out of control, and I have to admit, I'm starting to get a little nervous. <laughs> There's definitely some pressure to produce now, both in terms of frequency and quality. Oh, dear. Uh, well, to that effect, uh, a, a quick apology to everyone from last time. Uh, our audio quality was not uh, to the level that we expect out of ourselves. Uh, and to that point, Sabaiku was kind enough to shell out some dough and picked us up some Audio-Technica microphones. So hopefully uh, we have the audio issues taken care of. I want to point out, though, that no amount of gear is going to make us any more professional or qualified to do this. You're going to get the same mess you're going to get any other time absolutely it'll just sound better <laughs> so we like to start off each episode with a little recap of our past week i'll um i'll let you go first this time if you don't mind last week really i've been spending most of my time on the ladder the brawl this week was the pirate speed equals two which is not my favorite to play it really uh really ends up being over very quickly depending on who's got higher level lucky charmers and uh, that's not not great fun so i spent more of my time on ladder i managed to push it all the way through platinum up to platinum one so i'm knocking on the door of diamond already wow feel like if I had a little more time to play, I'd be there right now, but I'm happy with the pace that I'm going. Uh, I've been playing my Shadowfen Rush deck. It's really carried me the last four months, I think, and I haven't changed much except, as we talked about last week, the addition of Unhealthy Hysteria. I put that in for Faithless Profits. It has paid dividends. It has definitely won me some games, even at level two, where it's only affecting units of six strength or less. It just gets that extra bit of chip damage or clears the lane that I need, and it's been working really well. Dude, shell out some Fusion Stones and bring that up to level three. It's in the plan. It's probably the next card I upgrade. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, uh, to the brawl point, I made it to uh, the fusion stones as usual. A little bit bumpier this time. Uh, I've been noticing like two or three of the last four or five brawls. I'm finding fewer and fewer people with similar base health to mine as I as I climb. I don't know if more of them are just giving up or if there's suddenly a larger preponderance of people at like 18, 19, 20 base health who are playing later in the brawl each week. But I will say that I made it without Lucky Charmers. Shout out to Critical Pancake this week for a phenomenal deck uh, that he posted and Bugs suggested I look it up. Uh, it topped out at four mana, uh, and it only it only ran three pirates or four pirates. It had witches uh, at four. It relied on North Sea Dog as your runner, effectively, along with Cabin Girls and I think Westwind Sailors was the only other uh, pirate in the deck. Uh, and the rest of it, it basically was just Reign of Frogs to stop runners, Reign of Frogs to stop runners, smack them in the head a couple of times, and then win with the North Sea Dogs. And it worked great. So just relying on an overwhelming 
overwhelming number of units, they can't clear everything, and that allows you to push the damage from pretty much anywhere on the board. Exactly. Um, my week was also not spent uh, too much doing my normal stuff, because normally I'm just, you know, I, I do brawl and, and some laddering. But this week I have been trying uh, Reckless Rush's uh, draft tournament that he ran. He wrote a bot that allows you to draft. It, it gives you the option of two out of the four factions. You select it, and then it gives you uh, the option of three cards at a time, uh, 12 times. So you you literally draft out of uh, you know one of three choices for, for times 12, and now you suddenly have a, a deck ready to go. Uh, the last card offered each time is a legendary, and the rest of it is just kind of... Uh, he insists there's some amount of formulaic uh, repetitiveness to what's being offered. If we could crack that code, we could find some advantage sort of a thing, but I did not notice. Um, all I noticed is that uh, my opponent this week, Dirk, uh, had one of the best decks I've ever seen out of a draft. Granted, I have very little history with it, but it looked. Uh, but his first round and second round decks both looked like they were um, selected rather than drafted. They were very good decks. Uh, he also played phenomenally well. Uh, meanwhile, I base locked him right into Flood the Gates, so that shows you how good of a player I am. So I'm sadly now out of this tournament, but I have to say, having played the first two rounds, it was really fun and engaging. Getting to redraft a new deck each round was really cool. And uh, I hope to try it again. And if, if any of you out there are looking for something a little different, this was definitely an off-meta tournament. Uh, you're not running into, even if you play a lot of equals, this was definitely different than a standard equals tournament. So it was very engaging. So you say it offers you cards from the collection every round of the draft. Mm -hmm. How does it deal with the fact that some people have incomplete collections, like I'm missing Dr. Mia? You tell the bot before you begin the draft. There's a way to give it uh, the, the input to begin the draft where you say, I want to run a draft without X, Y, and Z cards. And then that's that. Uh, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue since um, I do have a complete collection now, but I imagine for a lot of people who, you know, didn't buy the uh, Sheepyard pack, for example, who don't have <laughs> the Rogue Sheep, not that that's very likely to be a card that's offered, but, you know, just in case, you, you tell it what you don't have and then it, you won't see it. Neat. Sounds very interesting. Sounds like a different way to play the game. Sounds like something that's more uh, akin to an arena mode. And I hope that it's something that uh, Sheepyard thinks about adding in the future. Yeah, it was very cool. And, and this is actually the second time I've tried out one of Reckless's ideas. He had another one where he made like, um, instead of trying to hit your opponent in the face to win a game, you had to hold certain cells on the board for multiple turns. And I've got to say, that was also incredibly fun and very different from anything else I've done in Stormbound. So he's he's got quite the mind. And uh, yeah, if Sheepyard has some time, they should sit him down and just talk to him about different game modes and, and different styles of, of play that they might want to add into the game because they are fun and it feels fresh. Moving on from how our week was, uh, we're just going to touch very briefly on the news this week because there's very exciting news. Uh, uh, Stormbound is uh, going to be celebrating this coming week its third anniversary, and Sheepyard has a whole bunch of stuff planned. Uh, they've uh, dropped some hints, but they have not given us too much in the way of specifics. We know that there's going to be at least some packs that you'll be able to buy in the store that have additional cards and potentially other things are going to be discounted, although we don't know specifically what or by how much, although we've been told to think about the number three and what that might mean uh, since it is the third anniversary. I'll just say that uh, they've also suggested that 
you won't be punished for hoarding resources. Uh, I'm sad to say that we found all this information out fairly recently, so we haven't been able to share it in the previous podcast. And this episode will go live like effectively the same day <laughs> that the uh, uh, anniversary stuff starts because it will start with the brawl. Quite possibly. By the time you listen to this, you'll definitely know more than we know right now. And uh, so because of that, I will simply say that, you know, the other news uh, is that we have our new home. A huge shout out again to Kitty for offering to uh, give us some space on the Stormbound's official site. And uh, you can now find us basically anywhere. And that's about it for the news. We don't want to speculate too much about what might be coming in the anniversary because, again, as Sabaiku points out, <laughs> you know more when you're hearing this than we know as we're saying it. So it really does nobody any service to, to speculate about what may or may not happen. And instead, we thought we would devote the rest of this episode to a conversation, which was actually, I think, one of the first conversations that you and I had, Sabaiku, that we said, you know what, this is something that we probably should have and share with the community. So early on when we started playing Stormbound, we were really puzzled by the elder cards and the uh, fact that some of them were obviously very very strong and the rest were merely balanced we wanted to talk about the interesting mechanics behind them how they fit into the game how they fit into each particular faction and the relative power level of the ones that remain a lot of the elders were changed yeah although none of them were fundamentally changed in general it felt to us when we got started like the elders were sort of the superheroes of each faction right so so a faction has a mechanic let's say the command mechanic and then the faction gets a elder petrified fossils that plays off of that mechanic in a way that is either slightly different than any other card in the set or more powerful than any other card in the set. Um, so you could see if you had a lot of small minions on the board, even uh, uh, Harold's Hymn only affects one row. Petrified Fossils could affect every minion potentially or unit potentially on the board, depending upon sizes and levels and stuff. Um, so it it could be a more powerful Forgotten Souls. It's more expensive, so maybe that makes sense, but just sort of as a, as a, as a new player looking at it, it looked like the Elders were these supercharged, super-powered versions of other cards within each faction. And the mechanics within each faction, notwithstanding, the Elders are obviously very powerful because of the basic mechanic that they have. They all have relatively high strength for their mana cost, one of the exceptions being Petrified Fossils, and hence why you don't see that played very often. Um, and Scrapped Planners being the other. Scrapped, uh, no, the Scrapped ones, man, those those see play in a lot of Rush Ironclad decks. Well, yes, but they, they don't have a, a rather large health for their mana. They have a moderate health for their mana. Okay, More so than, fair. say, uh, they have a balanced health for their mana. How's that? Ooh, that's very accurate. More than Warfront Runners, but with less movement, and I think that that's pretty fair. Okay. But a, the Elder Mechanic being a 
a trigger when the unit is surviving damage means that it has to survive a trade in order to trigger and ideally survive multiple trades in order to trigger multiple times. And that's really uh, something that adds to that superpower mystique, I think, is the fact that it's this big unit, and if it sticks around, it's going to just win you the game. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I would say that in general, they're a more late-game strategy card than a lot of rush cards, and a lot of rush-style decks don't necessarily want elders. But when you're playing with a newer deck and you run into somebody who's running, I don't know, like a, an over-leveled winter deck, for the league you're in, right? So they're playing all level fours or level fives, and they drop this just giant Earth Fathers, and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do against that? And then they buff it. <laughs> and then it buffs itself when it wins trades, and you're just scratching your head, just watching this inevitability march down the, the side of the board. It can be a little dispiriting at first until you learn how to play around some of them, and in some cases, you can't play around some of them. Uh, there are turns, I'm looking at you, Harry Chestnuts, I'm looking at you, Boom professors where your opponent can trigger them two or sometimes even three times in the case of Harry Chestnuts uh, and the game's over. <laughs> you own the front, they have no, they're not in striking distance, but it doesn't matter. Suddenly out of nowhere, this unit drops, it does a couple of things before your opponent hits end turn and then they hit end turn and it does it one more time at the start of your turn and you're dead. And uh, uh, there was a certain amount of, I think, lack of interactivity with these cards. Some of these cards can just be played and without you ever having the opportunity to respond, the game is over. Is that a fair assessment? Yes and no. I think Booming Professors is maybe the one that did not get uh, rebalanced that maybe could use another look. But in general, that's the only one that has the ability to really close out a game like the way that you're saying and even if it doesn't close out the game it can do a pretty significant chunk of damage in uh, a very short period of time oh it can, contrast it can take that with 50 percent of your life contrast it, that with say hairy chestnut which does chip away at the opponent's life total but doesn't have the movement so in order to trigger on your own turn you have to play say uh toxic sacrifice or which is something to yourself to trigger it so you can't just drop it on six mana and get an effect out of it until you hit end turn and it's your opponent's turn that's, and then they have a chance fair. to respond to it before it does more that that is fair on, uh, w without any additional health booming professors can do 10 points of damage to you and even if you have a max base health that's 50 percent of your life total on curve no additional health no combo from hand it can now do... you can play around that as the opponent you can not put multiple units in a column and try to alleviate that if you suspect your opponent is playing booming professors i mean it, there is yes. there is counter is there adequate counterplay? I mean, you know, you, you can say there's counterplay to flooding the gates by simply never putting a unit on your opponent's baseline, but that's also how you win. So so if the counterplay is to play a losing style of, of the game, a losing style of your deck, then that's not really counterplay. There's a big difference between not attacking your opponent's baseline and just avoiding putting two units in the same column, two weak units in the same column, because Booming Professor's health is not huge. If you have two mid-strength units, you know, two, two fives, two sixes, they're going to 
destroyed the professors before the second trigger happened. All right, well, let me ask you this. If you have, let's say, a six health unit and a four health unit that you can tuck into the corner and an adjacent column of your opponent's baseline, do you not, in order to prevent Windmakers from having an effect on those two units, do you not put, if possible, an additional unit, if it can't go into column three, do you not put it on column two behind the first unit to stop the Windmakers? Yes, that that's fair. But in that situation where he plays booming professors instead of windmakers, he's probably spending all his mana playing the booming professors and still taking the damage and allowing you to keep your front. And then you can continue to attack. If the game if the game isn't over, he just did ten damage to your face. I mean, if he hasn't done any damage to you yet, okay, fine. Yes, the game can continue. Yeah. If, well, you probably have if you're facing level four, level five booming professors, your base health is probably more than ten. Well, ideally, yes. But if he's done any damage to you already, see the 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 issue that I have with booming professors is if I'm playing base health twenty, right? And let's say I am a base health twenty as well, and we go back and forth one of the two of us i'm playing let's say swarm one of the two of us is obligated to deal 20 points of damage to their opponent the other one is only obligated to deal 10 points of damage to their opponent and then can effectively lose control of the board lose front and still just win the game i think that you're oversimplifying that and it's not it's not as easy to a outrush your opponent like that and b lose control of the board but still have enough uh enough control to set up how your chip damage falls lest we forget this is the the class that has push and pull i mean it's not i'm not saying it's easy but let's have this conversation there used to be the possibility and in fact there still kind of is even though it's been its health has been reduced it's more difficult now but um you used to see fairly often nine points of damage done by hairy chestnuts level five hairy chestnuts into which is toxic sack and then end turn your opponent's unit hits the hairy chestnuts for the third hit that's nine points of damage to face and sheepyard i think rightly looked at that and said that's too much that's too much damage done to face from a losing board position where you have you know, you are not the aggressor. You are on your own side of the board. Your opponent's doing all of the aggressiveness. You're basically just trying to play defense and survive, and suddenly you just nine them to the dome. That seems a little unfair. And even though that's a three-card combo, it's a little too easy to deal nine to face. I want to point out that that three-card combo is A, still intact, B, still costs the same amount of mana, so it's just as effective. Yes, but with Harry Chestnuts being less health, the odds that it can then take the hit from the additional unit at the start of your opponent's turn are less. It's still easy to get six pink, uh, points of damage off the Harry Chestnuts, but getting that last bit of damage off of it is no longer as easy as it used to be, and that's part of the reason why you don't see Harry Chestnuts chestnuts being played as much it was nerfed not its effect wasn't nerfed it's still at level five deals three damage to your opponent's face and and heals itself for three but its base health being reduced means that it's just that little bit more difficult to set it up to make it work and as such it stopped being a viable i mean it, it's i don't even want to say viable it is still viable it's just a little too difficult to make happen 
And so there's just better options within the Shadowfen and neutral library. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that the decrease in strength just made it balanced. It's still perfectly viable if you want to run it. I've had success running it after the change. Oh, so have I. Agree, I will agree that the change. You see it as often as you used to. I, I do not okay. at lower levels, but I do still see it. At, level five with about the same frequency as i used to which is admittedly not that frequent because not that many people have it leveled up five I, but I, my point I is I, the, the, two, the two strength that got knocked off of it made it balanced made it reasonable the effect is still unreasonably good so there's n- there's no penalty to running it the problem that i have running it now is actually not that the card isn't as good it's just that the decks that i'm playing seem to have gotten faster I no longer face slower winter packed deck. I face instead an aggressive ironclad deck and it's just not good in that situation. That's fair. Yeah, when, when the, the nerf to winter really did lose one of the the um, the best reasons to run Harry Chestnuts. I'll, I'll concede that point. But I do feel like it was harder to deal nine with Harry Chestnuts than it ever was and still is to deal 10 with booming professors. But one of the two got the nerf hammer and the other one skated through fine. Look, Harry Chestnuts costs less mana and has a stronger body and heals itself when it does damage. Like that's, it is a stronger card. It was a stronger card. It needed the change. I, I don't have any problem with that. Oh, I don't have any problem with the nerf to Harry Chestnuts. I have the problem that, the, that Harry Chestnuts got nerfed and booming professors which by the way is the same cost not less or not more it is this it costs the same as harry chestnuts they're both six you got me there and uh and at level five by the way booming professors could deal 12 it deals six of its remaining damage so it can deal 12 in one turn with no help just a board state that's adequate which is not enough no no that's my point but booming professors you can play around through positioning and harry chestnuts heals itself i think you're comparing apples and oranges here i am not convinced that you can play around booming professors adequately in a way that allows you to win the game so you're saying there should be no penalty when you have to adjust to your opponent's cards no i am simply suggesting that the ability to deal over 50 percent of your opponent's total life total at max health let alone let's say you know 16 17 18 whatever but 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 at 20 it's over 50 percent of your opponent's life total and being able to do that without needing any sort of combination of cards with just needing an adequate board state is a little dangerous and it's a little uninteractive and there could be a balance with it for sure i think we've hit it with harry chestnuts now but i don't think we've hit it with booming professors i feel like booming professors look booming on turn eight it can deal 12 with just itself and destructobots and no other units on the board for you it just needs to win a trade in a row with with or in, in a column with no other units and then destructobots be played anywhere and the game is over so I, I all i'm suggesting is that it is a little too easy 
to win a game with booming professors now without needing to ever play across the board. And if the goal of this game, if the reason why Stormbound exists is because it allows for this fun interactive board that you have to play units on and trade through and find paths to make it from one end to the other, having one of the two players say, all I need to do is land eight damage to your face and then I can just kind of give up, fall back and wait till I cycle through to my booming. That's really not the level of interactivity that I think makes Stormbound as fun as it can be. And the reason why I think I'm right in that is because when I look at what Perry Chestnuts was able to do, Sheepyard looked at that and said, well, it's getting a little out of hand. I think they were right to have, have nerfed Chestnuts. So my question is, why not also nerf Booming Professors? I would suggest that they haven't nerfed Booming Professors because Booming Professors is not a problem. I understand the ability to strike from across the board for a pretty significant chunk of damage is a problem, but that's like saying Siege Assembly and Mia is a problem because it's a two-card combo that costs about the same amount of mana, and it can just strike across the board like that. Well, it can't do anywhere near as much damage, and it can shoot once a turn. That's very different. To your original point of what made the Elder so interesting is they can be activated more than once in a turn. If Booming Professors could only deal five or six damage in a turn... Okay. So, I mean, to that point, thank you for bringing it up. My suggestion for how to fix booming is to simply take away the movement. If it had no movement, the best it could do on any given turn is one ping. And I think one ping is appropriate for it. Two pings is getting a little insane at six points of damage each. Again, to get six points of damage each, it has to be trading into ones and twos. Like the, the base health on the unit is not that strong. In order to get multiple triggers, the unit, uh, to get, in order to get multiple triggers at six damage or at max damage, the unit needs to survive trades with twos three and two at like doesn't even do it like it has to be two twos or a three and a one or two ones like it's just not not that much of a problem because you don't see low level units across the board unless you are specifically playing against a swarm deck or a shadow fan deck that's going real wide and if you're going real wide you have other units that can soak up the damage so it's not even hitting your face at max level it's a 10 strength unit it's just not big enough to get multiple triggers consistently the way that you're describing that was not the attitude that everyone had for chestnuts so i don't understand why chestnuts is different because the chestnuts a has a much larger health pool it was 15 at level five now it's down to 13 i believe at level and, five, yeah, that, i think that's correct. right so right there that's a huge discrepancy and then the chestnuts heal themselves after they take damage so you could have a unit on the board play the chestnuts next to it toxic sacrifice your unit damage the chestnuts it would take five and then heal back up another three everything else in the area would take five and be significantly weakened while your unit only netted two damage so now like that's a, that's a big swing the problem is not that the hairy chestnuts would deal consistently deal nine damage 12 damage on the same turn that's improbable the problem was that the hairy chestnuts would dick and allow those triggers to happen over multiple turns 
turns because they were so hard to get rid of. Your concern is that with three cards in hand, you could make, let's say, nine points of damage to your opponent's face and still have a large unit left over, correct? I'm saying that it was powerful. Give me give me three cards in my hand. Can I, can I get three cards in my hand? I would like Booming Professor's Unstable Build Fortification Tonic. If you're gonna if you're gonna say, well, with these three cards, it could deal a lot of damage and still be a big unit. Well, with three cards, I can deal a lot of damage and still have a large unit. But my point is, the no, game is you, over. You're not. You, 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 my, you're my you're misinterpreting. You're deliberately misinterpreting what I said there. The Ooh. problem is not that the hairy chestnuts can deal a lot of damage from hand. The the hairy chestnuts cannot consistently deal a lot of damage from hand. The problem is the hairy chestnuts can deal a little bit of damage. And and are still very hard to clear, regardless of what your opponent had on the board. If you just were able to put them down on six or seven mana, they're just tough to clear because they're a high strength unit that then heals itself whenever it takes a trade. You'll notice that when Sheepyard balanced the unit, they did so by removing the strength, not by reducing the chip damage, because the chip damage wasn't actually the concern. Interesting. Now, Booming Professors, the chip damage is a lot higher than the Hairy Chestnuts, but it doesn't heal itself. It's hard to get multiple triggers because your opponent has to play into multiple triggers, and it's yes, it can move, but like it's just not it, it's just not as uh strong of a body so it matters less it's it, it's interesting because the way i played both cards when i played with them was effectively the same i'd never play either on six unless i was already in total control of the game what i would do is i would take additional gambles with the rest of my deck such that on turn let's say eight nine or ten i would two card or three card combo something with booming or something with chestnuts to get the last bit of damage in that play style of i'm just going to rush you smack you as hard as i can get you within striking distance of my elder i have found that booming is actually better and easier to get damage off than chestnuts because i'm less reliant of other cards in hand now the one problem for me is that my booming professors is level three and it only deals four so i can usually get eight out of it which is not terrible but not fantastic well it's usually about 50 percent of your opponent's health uh, i wish i was playing against 16s if i was playing against 16s i don't need to really play the booming in the first place um but <laughs> well, but you're not all... playing against anything more than 17 now well, well that's true um but yeah so so i have found that the booming professors are actually you know because you go all out you don't worry about front you throw all the runners you can in the game in and then your opponent uh responds by clearing your last couple of units well now there's a couple of weak units that are on his front you just march down the the the, the board you put your uh, uh your your boomers in front of one of them you, you hit end turn and the game's over now i wish my boomers were level four or five that would be even easier but as it stands i have found it easier to get chip damage in like like significant chip damage you know four or eight with booming professors than i found it was than, than, than how easy it was for me to get let's say nine out of uh chestnuts and i didn't find it all that difficult to get well nine is incorrect for me but uh, sorry three three times two six I found it, you know, 
relatively easy to get six points of damage out of my chestnuts. It wasn't that hard, right? Like you just need two two things from your own hand and then you hit end turn and let let a unit crash into it. Booing professors, I can get eight. I can get eight easy. Yeah, I'm I'm not as convinced as you are that you can play around boomers as as well as you think you can. I, I think it's I think I'm it's not like, convinced that it matters. Now admittedly I favor a faster style deck, so if boomers comes out on six mana and clears one or two units and pings my face, I don't care because I'm trying to set up lethal on seven mana anyway. It It's something that you can outrush or it's something that you can outvalue in playing like a, a greedy winter pack to deck. Um, I don't, I'm just not convinced that it's the problem that you are uh, clearly arguing it is. Well, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure that any of the, uh, elders themselves were so big of a problem that they were oppressing the the meta what i'm simply saying is if there was a decision that certain cards elders especially were a little outside the bell curve of what is an acceptable power level i just can't believe that chestnuts gets hit but boomers gets overlooked because i feel like the two of them were give or take in the same realm of you know (laughs) You can rely on these guys to shut a game out even when you've been shut out. Like your opponent plays a perfect, you know, turn defensively to stop any runners. You can't get through. There's no way they're going to, you know, they're going to play, you know, they played, I don't know, pick something, queen into dreadfonds or something. It's just, you're locked out. You won't be able to get through for a turn or two while they march down the, no, no, never mind. Chestnuts, which is toxic sack good game guys if that was something that you know certainly tilted enough players out there and if that was something that sheepyard looked at and said well that level of interactivity of of that level of lack of interactivity uh is just bad for the game let's nerf it let's try to reduce the playing level of hairy chestnuts i applaud that i think that was absolutely the right decision even though i love hairy chestnuts i think for the game it was the right choice it was the healthy choice to say we need to pull this back it needs not be such an integral part of the game but if you're going to make that decision i don't understand why you don't also make that decision about booming professors and i'll I'll reiterate my argument that i don't think the pro that anybody was worried about the face damage from hairy chestnuts as a problem that wasn't the concern so give me an example of an elder you think is properly balanced okay you know i'm gonna go against the curve here a little bit and i'm gonna say that uh bucks are actually a fairly balanced and well-tuned to the faction elder they play along the same lines as pan heralds and as moonlit airy right so it's not uh, they're not dependent on proximity they can, just like moonlit airy they can buff anywhere on the board um without movement they could only do a certain amount and uh yeah i just i, I think that overall they are on their own I'll, I'll put that caveat in on their own they were a balanced card they were completely broken with queen but that's queen's problem i think not bucks's problem i agree with that yeah i think bucks itself was a good card and in fact we have proof that they were a reasonably balanced card on their own as soon as queen got nerfed you know what happened to bucks <laughs> they stopped between play Maybe they were a little too balanced, if you know what I mean. No, the the problem was, like you said, not that the bucks were bal- imbalanced, it's that the queen enabled you to play them for free. And when you get to draw a card and play it for free, that automatically makes it good, regardless of how balanced the card is. Not for nothing, this is exactly the kind of stuff that drove me away from Hearthstone. Just as a quick aside... 
the whole draw a card or discover a card and reduce its mana to zero is such a broken concept. And Queen, especially high level, tutors two specific cards out of your deck, effectively makes them cost zero and plays them for you. Now, granted, it could play them more efficiently if you actually got to play them. So there is a small amount of drawback to them being randomly played on your behalf. But in reality, uh, when you could drop Dreadfonds and Bucks as an example, and quite frankly, right now, I am still seeing Queen decks out there that are playing, you know, even just Dreadfonds and Doppelbox, just because that much value onto the board is very good. It's st- Queen yeah. is still a very powerful card. I don't like that mechanic. No, that's, that's perfectly understandable, and that's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. You, do, you do see a, a lot fewer Swarm decks running Bucks of Wasteland now than you used to for sure not bucks's fault no still a good card it fits into the swarm style of play where it rewards you for having a wide board uh the problem is it just it doesn't actually move or finish the game for you so i think that's really why it, uh, you don't see play anymore if you're playing it that late in the game you really want to just kind of close the game out not just buff a couple other units that are on the board and not dealing damage. Yeah, if they also commanded them forward, you'd see them play, and that would be busted. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, speaking of cards that fit their uh, faction very well, I'm going to throw something out here as our final little bit of conversation on Elders tonight. I'm going to say Harry Chestnuts does not fit Shadowfen. Prove me wrong. Interesting. So uh, Shadowfen is all about draining your enemy strength. That is what hairy chestnuts do. Uh, They just, rather than drain it from units on the board, directly drain the base. Which is not an effect that we've ever seen from Shadowfen before. And I'm going to suggest is maybe outside. So so one of the things that you notice very early on in, in playing Stormbound is that the different factions seem to have, I, I don't want to call them hard counters, but, but they seem to have counters. Softish to medium density counters. Uh, uh, Swarm really doesn't like playing into Shadowfen. Swarm wants to go wide, lots of small minions. Shadowfen explodes them. Toxic sacrifice which is uh crimson century it's just a bad matchup because so many of the cards within shadowfen are designed in a way that makes them absolutely terrible when played against dreadfonds or doppelbox right correct shadowfen really doesn't like to see gigantic units or towers and both of those things tend to be uh uh, what you see uh, in winter pack also in Winter Pact, you tend to see uh, freeze effects, and Shadowfen has no uh, natural way of, of dealing with freeze effects, right? Like, you can freeze my board as a swarm player, I'll just play Herald's Hymn and the game's over anyway. Right. Shadowfen doesn't have that. So Shadowfen is weak to Winter Pact's uh, of natural mechanics. Suddenly, let's throw Harry Chestnuts into the game, and oh, what do you know, I have a perfect way of oh you froze my board fine i'm gonna play hairy chestnuts which is toxic sacrifice i'm gonna end the game anyway i don't know that it was a healthy choice to pick drain your opponent's base as the mechanic for hairy chestnut if it was drain all surrounding units like witches or you know drain all poisoned units on the 
board like a kind of amber hides play you know to the next level i don't there there are a lot of options out there for what harry chestnuts could have been but the specific decision to make them drain the base and add a level of chip damage ability to a class a faction that never had it i'm not sure that was the right call and i don't feel like harry chestnuts's mechanic really fits that shadow fen faction that's fair. I will say we do see uh, directly damaging your opponent's base as a swarm mechanic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, with vindicators or mischiefs. Pillars of doom. That does seem to fit the swarm philosophy style of play mechanic a little more. Side note, the ironclad dam- chip damage that we've been talking about from booming professors or overchargers is not chipping directly at the opponent's base. That's why I think it's different. That's just hitting uh, whatever the first unit in front is. And if there is no unit in front, then it damages the base. And that's a different style. Um, and I think that that's a separate conversation. Yeah, and with push and pull as as mechanics within the class, that like location dependency plus these other mechanics is a fun set of things to play around with. Like I think they made good choices with both Swarm's version of chip and Ironclad's version of I don't know what you want to call it forward damage. So Harry Chestnut then is pulling that Swarm directly chip at the opponent's base into Shadowfen, but also comboing it with the Shadowfen drain mechanic. Shadowfen is really all about countering your opponent's play, um, right? Like Mm -hmm. you either convert it or you poison it or you drain its health. But in in all situations, you are interacting with the units on the board, specifically the units that can move on the board and not the tower. And the base being directly chipped down from Harry Chestnuts, I agree with you. It doesn't it it doesn't play into that counterplay theme or design space in the same way that that the other elders for the other factions seems to i mean even if you made harry chestnuts a witches for all enemies on surviving damage such that you had to put harry chestnuts on your opponent's baseline but then from there could witches toxic it and drain from your opponent or from whatever other units or next to it like that would have been interesting but from anywhere on the board to be able to chip your opponent's face i don't know it doesn't feel right to me yeah that's understandable it it definitely does feel like an outlier and that's probably part of what makes it so strong in shadowfen uh, specifically is that there's nothing else in the faction that can do what it does right well they also were very smart i feel like with faithless prophets uh, one thing to recognize in shadowfen is shadowfen can deal a lot of damage to its own units crimson sentry toxic sack which is as we've already talked about and so you don't want to give Shadowfen a particularly strong Elder effect because Shadowfen, more so than any other faction, can abuse it. And yep. so I feel like Chip is one of those, you've got to be very careful with it kind of things. But even more so than that, I just feel like it wasn't part of the Shadowfen theme or, or, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, hope you found this uh, engaging and I hope the audio quality was a little better than our last one. And again... You know, we always strive each week to try to do better. Uh, if you have any thoughts about uh, future shows and what we should incorporate into it, please reach out to us. You can find us, obviously, in the uh, official Stormbound Discord 
You can also find me at uh, FreeloaderSB on Twitter. And Sabaiku, where can they find you? You can always email BroodSages at gmail.com and get uh, give us your feedback there also. Have a great one, guys, and we'll see you next week.